readers, welcome to Your Bookstore Besties. We're your hosts, Rachel and Becky, best friends who met while working at an indie bookstore. We love chatting about all things books, and we're so happy that you joined today. Hi guys, welcome to the podcast, Your Bookstore Besties. I'm Becky. And I'm Rachel. Hi, Hi Becky. Hi, Rachel. Um, we have a special guest today, Very and that is guest. author Natalie Lloyd. Why don't you greet everybody? Hi. Hello. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so because you're our guest, we're going to have you start off with your fun fact. Uh, what is your fun fact, Natalie? Oh, I have three dogs. That's such a – that's not the best fun fact, I guess, but this was really sprung on me at the last minute, mm-hmm. the fun mm-hmm. fact. <laughs> well, Samson, Huckleberry, and Magpie. Those are my three dogs, my three writing associates. So. And what type of dogs are they? Samson is an 80-pound lab who has a face oh. that kind of reminds me of a catfish. Um, <laughs> Huckleberry is a cockapoo who looks like a fuzzy marshmallow. Oh, that sounds so cute. And Magpie is a little Aussie doodle who we theory is a baby kangaroo. She just jumps and jumps and jumps. <laughs> they're oh, pretty so cute. Oh, love that. I love that they're your writing associates. That's so cute. <laughs> Rachel, what's your fun fact today? Um, so my fun fact is completely unrelated, but, um, related to October because I've been getting in the mood, uh, the spooky season, Mm -hmm. um, and I've been, uh, watching a lot of horror movies in the Mm -hmm. past week. And so I wanted to, to give you the rundown of the ones I've watched. Okay. Um, so I've watched it too, which was great. I watched a movie called Malignant, which was really weird. And I watched the new one called Talk to Me with the hand. I don't know if you've seen the previous. It's really scary looking. But it's getting me in the mood to, um, well, obviously, we're finishing Haunting of Hill House. Uh Reminder. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I've been just in a spooky mood and watching a lot of horror movies. That's my fun fact. Okay, cool. Um, All right, you last. My fun fact is that I minored in Spanish in college. And so I try to force myself, even though I don't like use it very often, but I try to force myself to think in Spanish. Um, I'm pretty sure though that like I have the level of like a first grade first grade speaker <laughs> of, of Spanish. So I like think or like try to pray in Spanish just to like keep my mind active. So oh, I I yeah. We love a bilingual bestie. I mean, I'm hardly bilingual, <laughs> but I mean, I'm do- <laughs> doing my best out here. <laughs> All right. So um, we brought on Natalie because she is an author and we're so excited to have you on. Um, We have some questions from some of our listeners, but we wanted to start off by asking you some of the questions that we ask just any of our guests about their reading habits. Um, So I'll start off. Um, What is the first book you remember reading? Oh, the very first book I remember reading Let's see, way back, uh, picture books, the most memorable ones for me, it would either be Where the Wild Things Are mm-hmm. or a picture book called Once Upon a Time in the Meadow. And I'm laughing as I say that because I was <laughs> talking to a friend about it and she was like, oh my gosh, that book. Like we had very different, very visceral reactions to that book because it's about these girls who all live in this cottage in the meadow together. And it's just mm-hmm. about dresses and they're baking and they're having this very, I mean, and she just like recoiled at it as an adult. And I'm still like, Oh, that's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Becky would love that. Yeah. I love that. I'm still like, this is so fun. 
No, I love dresses and baking, so that sounds great. (laughs) I'm the same way. I'm like, what is imperfect about this? Um, So I really enjoyed that. My mom read to me a lot when I was a kid, and I loved it. But the Mm -hmm. most core memory book for me, and I love to – I talk to kids a lot because I write middle grade, and I do school visits and Zoom visits with readers. And and so I talk a lot about The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh, so good. Because that was the book. I always tell them that's when I felt book magic for Mm -hmm. the first time. It's like – the words fell away and the pictures fell away and I could feel what was happening and I couldn't mm-hmm. describe it. I had chill bumps and I felt cold mm-hmm. like Lucy did in the book where I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I, my brother still makes fun of me. I would crawl into my closet and think I would get to Narnia. Like mm-hmm. I, you're like, one of these days is going to open up for me. What? I would pack my stuff in a lunchbox and think I'm getting there. Even now when I go in Ikea, I check, you know, I'm like, there's a door here that's going to get me there. So um, that sealed in my mind. I thought, gosh, fiction is so magical. And mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll talk about this, you know, when we talk about hummingbird, but I had some mm-hmm. physical um, challenges when I was a kid and Narnia was a book that that I kept going back to over and over because even though the story was fictional, the courage I found in the book was very real. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, as an adult, I keep going back to it still. Um, I think that's one reason I love writing middle grade. So those are some of the the first books I remember mm-hmm. falling in love that's, with. That's awesome. Great. Rachel, do you want to just go back and forth yeah. with questions? Well, so this goes into the next question, which is, did you read as a kid? And obviously you, you, you did. Um, but I have to say that I looked, you know, up your FAQ and I am a huge Roald Dahl fan. So seeing that in your FAQ is very exciting for me, uh, especially Matilda, because Matilda as a kid for me was like, it made me feel like not such a loser for reading. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, because you have, you know, especially the movie I, I loved as well. But, like, the power of books um, in that was just amazing. So are there any other books that you remember reading, um, you know, as a kid for especially schools? Because we talk about that a lot on the podcast, like required reading. Are there any ones that you're like, oh, that was required reading, but I loved that one? I do. I remember... And Roll Doll is one I love to unpack with people. This is mm-hmm. one you and I may have to <laughs> unpack it yeah. from the podcast sometime too, because I've even gone back as an adult. Matilda is one to me that stands the test of time. I think it's one of yeah. my books. As a kid, you read it and it's it's like it reminds you it's okay to be weird, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think the musical does that too. I remember when I heard the song Quiet from the musical as an adult and I thought, oh my gosh, somebody gets it. Somebody gets what's oh. happening in my head. Mm-hmm. And that's what the book does. Now, another one by Doll that I loved was The Witches. It wasn't assigned yes. reading. I just found it. And as an adult, I reread that and it was still, you know, mysterious and magical and dark. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, I did read it and think, okay, he may have had some hangups about women, right? Mm. Yeah. So it's definitely interesting to read an author you love at different points in your life and think, hmm, what was going on in this person's mm-hmm. life at the time they were writing this? Um, a book I remember being assigned and loving was The Westing Game. <gasps> I liked, love the Westing game. Yeah, I liked putting the puzzle together. Yeah. Um, and let's see what was another one that I was assigned that I loved. The Babysitter's Club was a favorite. I don't think that was assigned reading. That was just another obsessive babysitter's mm-hmm. club. Look, my I best got all friend, of them from the library, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My best friend was actually grounded from the Babysitter's Club books once when she got in trouble. And I think that's so funny. I've never <laughs> seen anybody else who got grounded off books. <laughs> Such a specific punishment. I 
know, exactly. Oh, but I enjoyed required reading. Even Charlotte Doyle. Do you remember the True Confessions of Charlotte I do. Doyle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember reading that one, loving it. Reading is something I picked up pretty quickly and I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, like in Hummingbird, I had a physical disability. So usually even at recess, I couldn't play at recess. I would usually mm-hmm. sit by myself and read and thank goodness I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that I was talking about with a friend recently. I said, you know, I never got into gaming and I don't know why, because mm-hmm. there was so much I couldn't do in school, right? Mm-hmm. All these things I couldn't get into, but thank God I had books. And that was just my lifeline through all of these things I couldn't participate in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so the next question I have is like, how do you read today? Like, are you reading physical books, hardcover books, paperbacks, e-readers, audiobooks? Like, what's your? How are you typically reading most of the books you do read now? I absolutely jump all over the map. Mm-hmm. It really just depends on my mood, mm-hmm. <laughs> and usually I have one of each. Um, yeah. We just took a road trip, my husband and I did, and we listened to the audiobook of The Passage by Justin Cronin, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is interesting. My husband loves very detailed fantasy novels. He's mm-hmm. really into Game of Thrones. He loves anything with vampires in them. And I I write all kinds of things. I've been writing for kids. I write middle grade fiction, and that's my big dream. I love mm-hmm. writing for kids. That's always been the biggest dream of my heart. And I think the thing about writing for kids that's so exciting and requires so much craft is that kids do not have the patience for <laughs> long drawn out books, right? Mm, yeah. If you read The Passage or if you read Stephen King, and I'm also, I'm, a, I'm late to the game, but I'm a big Stephen King fan. There's a lot mm-hmm. of build up in those books. And with kids, you just have to get to it, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to start with the action. So it's always kind of new for me. It's like I have to adjust to it in those books. I mm-hmm. think this is so much buildup. I mean, it's like a 30-hour novel we were listening to. We've been listening to it at night even, but it's been really good. Um, so that's my audio book. I love physical books. There's something about holding a book in my mm-hmm. hand that's part of the magic, whether it's hardback or paperback. I like them both. Um, I, I like them dog-eared. I use bookmarks sometimes. <laughs> <Yes>. I'm <laughs> like, I have no preference. I don't care. I think books are made to be loved. I My favorite thing. See, Becky? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, Becky. I know my friends can't believe I'm this way, but my favorite thing is when readers come to me and they show me a book and it looks like they have played dodgeball with it. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is so ratty looking. I mm-hmm. know it has been through the ringer, and that's what I like to see. So I'm into it. And I like e-readers sometimes too. That's mm-hmm. really good. It's funny, my husband got me an e-reader because he thought that would cut down. On the amount of books we have, it has not at all. <laughs> Definitely not at all. I have a terrible habit that I I will get some books in multiple formats. Like yes. I'll get the ebook, and then I'm like, oh, I really like this more than I thought I would, and I want a physical book so I can tab it up and dog mm-hmm. ear, and totally. I even write in my books. Me and Becky have had this conversation. Uh, we differ very much on how books should be treated i'll say Um, i think i think writing in books is reserved for the bible okay (laughs) okay well you know uh, i i want to tell you to if you haven't natalie i want you to look up an essay that's free online that like changed the way i i look at books um it sounds like you're on my team anyway but (laughs) it's called um how to mark a book by morton mortimer 
Jay Adler. Yeah, there we go. Um, and it's free online and it's just like a page and it's about how, how you love your books and it changed the way I think about books. And I think Becky should read it. Even I have if she read has it. You, mean, you told me to. Yeah, but you should read it again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, you need to reread it. Maybe mark it up a little bit. Um, okay, so talking about current uh, reading as well, um, I know that you know most authors do have Goodreads, but do you use Goodreads? And if you do, do you have a goal for yourself set for this year? So this may sound petty. I do not go on Goodreads because – I don't want to see what people think about my books. Mm, on That's yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah. I just think I do better if I don't, because I, I feel like once a book is done, it belongs to other people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay. whether they, they like it or hate it. And, you know, I'm glad they respond to it either way. Right. Um, you know, somebody told me once, you know, you'll, you'll be glad someday they're talking about it at all. I still don't know if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about that. No, I don't know about that either, but I just do better if I, so I do not look on Goodreads Mm -hmm. ever. Um, I feel like that's healthy for authors at least. I do. Yeah. I feel like that's healthy as well. And it's not that I don't, I get, you know, obviously I get feedback from my editor. Mm -hmm. So I definitely take that into account. And, um, you know, we work together. I'm constantly trying to go as a writer, but there's no way you could take feedback from that much input anyway. Mm -hmm. So, um, so no, I just have a forever long TBR like everybody else. And (laughs) I'm constantly getting ideas from other people, from podcasts. I love Laura Tremaine's podcast. She recommends such cool books. One of them Mm -hmm. recently that she recommended that I love is an adult novel called Shark Heart. Hmm. Let me see if I've heard of that. I haven't heard of it. Okay. It's kind of weird. I I, I can picture the cover. So it's by, I think the author's name is Emily or Emmeline. I wrote it down so that I would know this. Emily Habeck or Habeck. I'm not sure. That cover is really pretty. Yeah, and it's hard to even explain to you what it's about. If I do it, it's going to sound bizarre. But this, you know, this newlywed couple, her husband is slowly becoming a hammerhead shark, and they live in this society <gasps> where that happens. Like people, almost like people develop like diseases now, mm-hmm, but like mm-hmm. animals. But the way she does it, the writing is so gorgeous. You're just flipping pages so hard, mm-hmm. and. I have never read a book that captures the othering that disability and disease can have mm-hmm. in such a compelling and nuanced way. Um, it was really fascinating. It was just such a distinct book. I, I don't know how she thought of it. And as an author, people ask me that sometimes, where did you get the idea for this? And sometimes I don't even know, right? Like, <laughs> who even knows where ideas come from? Um, but it was fascinating so I love to discover books like that mm-hmm. I love to hear what what moves people but that's awesome um so speaking of what, what's the last book you finished and was it good <laughs> yes oh the last book I finished had a long title that I will probably mangle I do this with songs <laughs> as well not just books <laughs> um it's a novel about Flora Lee the secret book of Flora Lee I love it Yes, it's a historical novel for adults. It threads in a little bit of a fairy tale set in World mm-hmm. War II. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I am 
writing a lot of middle grade right now and I'm doing a lot of revision. And sometimes when I do that, I don't read a lot of other middle grade. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And then usually like when I send that back to my editor, if I have a little chunk of time, that's when I do try to read a little bit more um, in the age group where I write. But that novel was beautiful. I loved it. I'm going to put it on my want to read list. That's one I've seen in our bookstore um, a lot. And I've wondered what it was about, but I hadn't heard any rave reviews until now. So I'll make sure to recommend that book based on your review. (laughs) Very grown up fairy tale. Mm -hmm. Um, It's perfect for like, if you have a rainy weekend Mm -hmm. and a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and you just want like a cozy blanket and a great book, that's your book. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. I've just added it to my want to read list. So very cool. (laughs) Um, Okay. And the last question that we usually ask everyone is what is your favorite genre and what is a genre that you read the least? Favorite genre. I know it's hard to pick one, but it is. Oh, favorite genre is probably, probably Southern fiction, contemporary Mm -hmm. Southern fiction. As far as genre, I read the least. I would say, you know, it used to be horror. I would okay. have said never, never. Like there was a time <laughs> in my life I would have said no to Stephen King because from the time I was little, I've had like vivid nightmares. I think it kind of comes with the territory when you're a creative mm-hmm. person. Probably also just when you read a lot, right? You just have a vivid imagination. Um, I, I didn't realize though. And I don't even remember what kind of finally propelled me to do it. Maybe it was just curiosity. I finally listened to it. Um, we, we were on a road trip on our honeymoon, as one does, you know, listen <laughs> to it. And it was so good and just so phenomenal. So like I said, I'm late to the game on Stephen King. But I I realize now the purpose some horror can serve for me. It's like it helps mm-hmm. me hack the bad dreams a little bit. Oh, interesting. Okay. You know, it's like that, that quote in the front of Coraline, which is one of my favorite books um, that says, you know, um, dragons or what is it? Oh, fairy tales don't exist just to entertain. They show us dragons can be beaten or something like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but it's like that, like they don't make things worse. It's like, it helps you kind of release all of Mm -hmm. this stuff that that gets it makes it head. less scary because you're it exposing is. yourself yeah. to it yeah like you're seeing how they can beat the demons and whatever else <laughs> oh absolutely yeah mm-hmm. so even though that's still the one i read the least i have i have towed the water just a little bit more with that so mm-hmm. see i'm trying to get becky to read some but well i'm, I'm reading freaking haunting of hill house <laughs> I know. Which we're going to discuss next week. So. Yes, yes. Oh, I will listen to that. I'm intrigued for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, the last question in this category about reading, this is, comes from a listener, Jenica, and she wants to know, how do you decide what to read and follow up? What recommended, what recommendations do you make to friends and what do you consider when making those recommendations? Jenica, I love that question. So this is how I decide what to read. One, I'm a very moody reader. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like life is too short. So I don't like I have no requirement for myself to finish a book I don't like. Um, Mm -hmm. 
I I have a first line, first love rule sometimes. Like if I read a first line and fall in love, sometimes that's all it takes. You know, I, I will take it home um, and save it for a rainy day <laughs> and go back to it when I need it. Um, I have fallen in love with covers. And, you know, I read an interesting thing about that, like why we're drawn to covers and how much money publishers invest in covers. And it is a mood, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes like there is something to that. There's a reason you're drawn to certain covers. And um, so I think about the mood I'm in. I read the first page and see if it hooks me and I go as far as I can. Um, That's just kind of how I go for it. Sometimes I go from a friend's recommendation or a podcast I love and Honestly, one of my favorite things is when I match make a book to a friend. Um, <laughs> it really is. I've never actually been able to match make people. That's one of the goals. But I have match made some pretty good books. So um, I just kind of know what my friends like to read. Like one book that I've read recently that comes out next year, and this is another adult book, is Colton Gentry's Third Act by Jeff Zentner, who writes young adults, but this mm-hmm. is his first adult novel. And it is over the moon fantastic. And I already have several friends in mind who I know are going to love it. So I'm just waiting to send all of my texts <laughs> so, <laughs> because I know they're going to love it. And I don't want to bombard them until April when it comes out. But I know, like I knew when I was reading it, like this will be their favorite book. Okay. That sounds awesome. I'll have to put that on my, my watch list. There. You're adding to Becky's uh, TBR right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm definitely, absolutely. Yeah. I There's nothing more I like than recommending a book especially at the bookstore because i have all my staff picks up there you know little blurbs on the shelf there was never a better feeling than when someone would come back in and i'm thinking of one person specifically uh i recommended him dead silence by s.a barnes which um is a sci-fi horror um if you think of the titanic meets the shining Mm -hmm. um it's kind of like that and um he came in after i recommended it and he was like, oh, my God, thank you. Thank you for introducing me to this book. Give me more like it. And I was like, oh, well, unfortunately, that's like one of a kind. However, oh. I can give you some more like sci-fi <laughs> horror. But it, there's no better feeling for me. I love, see, I love how specific you can be. I tried that one time and I flopped. Like I tried to recommend. <laughs> it was a middle grade novel by Lauren Oliver. <laughs> I tried to recommend it like if Katie Camillo and Tim Burton had like a book <laughs> baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In my mind, I thought that's a perfect, but no, it didn't go well. I think that's a great uh, description, actually. Like nice. that would make me pick up a book. Yeah. Books, you're successful. So good at it. They're so good at it. It's it's working at the bookstore a long time. I've I've gotten comparisons that I think are good, mm-hmm. and I just I just rehash them. That's why it sounded like a script because I've said it so many times. <laughs> oh, it's fabulous. Um, okay, so do you want to get into Hummingbird a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I was wondering, um, Natalie, if you would give our listeners just a quick synopsis of Hummingbird, which is your uh, most recent book, correct? Yes. Hummingbird is my seventh novel for young readers. 
um, middle grade readers, but I always say this, anybody can read it. And Mm -hmm. I have adult friends who were shocked that they love middle grade books. And I don't know why I'm like, listen, they are well-written and they have really good pace. So of course you're Mm going to love it. Like Mm -hmm. so much good middle grade fiction. Um, So this is the story of a girl named Olive Martin and she lives in a little Tennessee town uh, called Wildwood. And Olive has been homeschooled her entire life because she has a brittle bone disease called osteogenesis imperfecta, which sounds like a magic spell if you say it out loud. (laughs) It doesn't feel that way for her. She's starting to feel kind of isolated. Middle school is starting and she kind of wants to try a real school. The only friends she has are her parents and this pet bird she has. And she's like, okay, I'm ready to get out. I'm ready to spread my wings a little. And she's very persistent and talks her parents into letting her try it. But the first day of sixth grade is a disaster for her, as it is for many of us, <laughs> until yep. she hears the legend of a creature who lives in the woods and grants wishes to um, anybody brave enough to track it down. And um, with the help of some new friends, that's what she does. And she turns loose a whole lot of magic in her town. Um I love the story for so many reasons. It scratches an itch on all these areas I love to write. I love magical stories. I love Southern Mm -hmm. fiction. I love kids in small towns. And um, Olive and I also share the same disability that I hadn't really unpacked in a book before, especially in such a personal way. So Mm -hmm. I I got to write about that for the first time in Hummingbird. So that's been really cool to share and talk about in the book. And, And it's just been... Honestly, it's been a joy from start to finish. It was a very vulnerable book to write, and I've loved mm-hmm. the process of doing it. I, I loved I loved this book. Like I gave it five stars on Goodreads. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really resonated. Um, oh my gosh, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. Um, but I also started school. Why am I crying now? I'm like crying. Um, I started school, um, public school in fifth grade as well, and. Wow, I didn't think I was going to cry. I'm sorry. Um, But yeah, I just thought it was a really beautiful story. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad. And listen, that's another thing about middle grade fiction that I tell people. We're all, I forget, I think it was K.A. Holt, another middle grade author, who said we're all just kids in grown up skin. Like we all remember what it feels like. We're still that vulnerable. You know, we still know Mm -hmm. what it's like to feel that left out. And um, so, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Um, one of the questions I have from a reader, um, Melissa, I gave the book you gave me, I gave to her. She's a, um, a elementary school teacher. So I figured she would be the perfect person to read this one. And she wanted to know where did the initial idea for hummingbird come from? Oh, that's a good question, Melissa. The, the ideas came from all over as far as, um, a creature in the woods. I knew I wanted to write that and I knew it couldn't be like Bigfoot. I knew my editor would never mm-hmm. let me off that easy. <laughs> has to be something right? cuter. <laughs> it has to be cuter. I knew it would have to be a little harder to find. And a hummingbird felt a little bit more magical, right? Um, a little bit harder to see. And there's lots of folklore around hummingbirds if you look it up online. Also, if you actually read about hummingbirds, they have a lot of cool characteristics. They can fly forwards and backwards. They are the most fragile bird. Oh, that's cool. Um, you know, they can't actually 
use their legs much um, mm-hmm. other than just to perch, but they're the fastest flyers. Um, they can do incredible things. And that was a cool metaphor for all of, I yeah. thought. Um, so there's a lot of magic there. And then it connected to my childhood too. I remember lots of hummingbirds in the town where I grew up. There's a funny story I love to tell kids when I talk about hummingbird. When I would spend time with my grandparents, there was a hummingbird that used to fly around my my papa's head a lot and it would freak him out. He was like, okay. he used to think it was just aiming for him. But I found out when I was researching this book, they do remember the faces oh. of people they feel safe around. Oh, and then they'll wow. do that. They'll come back to study faces. So it actually liked him and he thought it was <laughs> targeted. It was harassing him. <laughs> so, so that was kind of funny in retrospect. Um, so I knew that. I knew I wanted a quest. I knew I wanted her starting middle school. I wanted, you know, she's a theater kid. I thought that would be mm-hmm. fun. I've always loved theater. She's actually good at it. I am definitely not. <laughs> um, I think my greatest role in theater was the role of doorbell. <laughs> An important role. Very important. But, um, you know, as far as the role her disability played in the story, initially, it was not going to be that big. You know, at first I thought, okay, I'm going to, you know, she's going to have brittle bones like I have, but that's not going to be a big part of the story. She is going to be totally adapted and she's going to feel great about herself and this is going to be fine and she's going to be super cool. You know, I just didn't want to like put my insecurities on her. Mm-hmm. Right. And honestly, a part of that, if I can be super honest, came because I didn't know if if readers would be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know if readers <laughs> would want me to be that honest because that's that's not something I was seeing a lot. Like when I thought back about portrayals I'd seen of disability in books and movies and stuff. There just aren't a ton. Um, As a kid, the one that that I remember the most is like Zach Morris playing wheelchair basketball. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which is not even legit. Or, you know, there, there are others that there are some, you know, and I think we're doing more and more now, which is awesome. But Um, but the more I wrote it, it's like something was missing. I would turn in revision after revision and, and it's like the heart of it wasn't there. Mm -hmm. In 2019, I was walking through my kitchen to check a door lock and I slipped in dog door and I heard something snap in my leg and it was my femur bone, which is like the big, your knee to your hip. And that actually hadn't happened since I was a kid. My type of OI is very mild. So most of my fractures happened when I was younger, but my Mm -hmm. bones are always going to be brittle. And so the cycle started again, right? All that pain, all that frustration, the therapy and rehab and stuff. And, you know, suddenly I was back in that place. And and I remember one night after I got home and after I had the rod put in my leg and all that, I was, um, I think, Justin, my husband and I were playing Nintendo beside each other on the couch. And I was like, oh, I just, I'm broken. And he was like, you're not broken. Your leg is broken. It's like the book, the story just came into focus. And I thought, that's it. Like, Mm -hmm. that's the story that I need to tell because that's who, how I've been figuring out myself my whole life, you know, for Mm -hmm. The entirety of my life, I've heard that I'm fragile, except from people who love me. Um, And they've helped me see who I really am. And that's what I wanted Olive to see. And through that, um, as corny as it sounds, you know, my hope is always that kids who read the books just have fun with it. Yeah. yeah. Enjoy it. Like when they finish it, I consider that a win because there's so (laughs) much competing for a kid's attention. Um, I just love it if they finish it and enjoy it. But 
Um, it thrills my heart when I get a note from a reader and, and they got that part too. Mm -hmm. Um, that makes me really happy. So I have a follow-up to that question from Melissa. She wants to know, what would you wish for if you found the hummingbird? Oh, that's a really good question. You know, I actually kind of hid my wish in there because I had to contend with that, right? Like mm -hmm. just like Olive does. Would I wish for stronger bones? And sometimes mm -hmm. I would, right? And that's what Olive says even. Like sometimes when it hurts, I would. Mm -hmm. um, but I also put my dog in the book. I had a dog for 13 years named Biscuit Aww. who was my best buddy. And so I got to bring her back in the book. So Aww. that's so sweet. <laughs> that was my wish. Hatch got my wish in the book. <laughs> mm. The next section of questions are about uh, writing. And um, the first question is from Aaron and he wants to know how much prep work goes into a story before you start writing. And then he also wants to know how do you come up with character names and how often is the ending similar to the initial idea? Oh, those are really good questions, Erin. And they change for me based on the book. Um, I'm trying a new method now where I'm doing a little bit more prep work up front mm -hmm. just because I want to see how much it changes in the end. Mm -hmm. And there's no right or wrong answer to it, right? Um, whatever moves you and makes you want to get into the story. But for me, usually there's this keystone image that I think of. There is a scene and I write it down. I have so many of those, but there's this one scene and I keep coming back to it and keep coming back to it. And then it starts to come together. Like the picture starts to spread mm -hmm. out more and more. And then I actually write it and I know, okay, this is the one I want to spend time on. And I start to, you know, color it in on the sides and I fill it in and I think of the characters. It's like, I have to have one character I want to follow. And then I can figure out beginning, middle, end. I just sort of know the very basic structure of where she's going um, or where he's going. And I go from there. As far as the ending, so far, I have known the ending when I've started. Um, getting there has changed significantly every time. Um, <laughs> significantly. It's really funny. And the book I just turned in, which is out next fall. Ooh. Um, Ooh. It's the first time I've ever done two POVs. Okay. Um, I'm super excited about that was really fun to write, but it kind of popped up in a revision that there was another POV I was going to do. Oh. And that was a big change. Right. And then the trajectory of it changed completely. I don't even know. It's hilarious now when I look back at how I pitched this book to my editor is what I want to do next and how it <laughs> how it shook out in the end. So the only way I can answer this, Erin, is no matter how it starts, it changes. It's like stories are living things and they do what they want. And I just keep kind of wrestling with it until until it it comes out. So tangent question. Have you read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert? Yes. Mm, yeah, I was just curious if you resonated with like the idea of creativity and the stories being like this force that comes upon us that we just have to like tell or, you know, whatever that art medium is, it like comes upon you and, and it won't leave you alone until you create that thing. I was just wondering if you resonated with that idea. Oh, absolutely. And that's what, you know, I've been encouraging a friend of mine because I know she's got a book in her and she's very discouraged right now. We all get discouraged, like, mm -hmm, I quit, mm -hmm. you know, once a day, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but 
But I told her, I was like, listen, you're not going to be able to let it go. And I think that's true of any storyteller. You can put it away for a while. You can walk away from it for a time, but it won't let you go. It it has to come out. And mm-hmm. even if there's a day I don't keep publishing, I hope I get to do it. I love sharing stories mm-hmm. this way. And, and I have a lot of stories I want to tell, but I'll never be able to stop writing. Um, it is. It is a force. Not to say I don't procrastinate a lot (laughs) or suddenly decide, oh, this is the day to clean my fridge, you know, instead of putting in my revision. But um, yeah, it's wild how it, how it spins inside you Mm -hmm. until you get it out. Yeah, that's awesome. Rachel, do you want to ask the next one? So yeah. So the next question is from Alyssa. Um, what's the shortest or longest time you've ever written a book in? So do you write them under a crunch or do you usually have, you know, over a year or so? Oh gosh, this is really fun. So the lo- usually they're about the same. Um, I've kind of got a rhythm to it now that works and it's like I can write a rough draft and I am talking rough, rough draft. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the Anne Lamont word that I won't say because I write middle grade, the the crappy <laughs> draft. You know? yep, yep. That takes a few months for me. Um, I don't even read it to the dogs. It's so bad. But then it's like, <laughs> I can see the shape of it. You get something um, there. Yes. And that's great. When you get that, that's such a cool feeling. And from there, I can shape it into something else in a few months and I can show it to my editor. And she's incredible. My editor is Mallory Cass, and she's also an awesome writer. She wrote a series called The 100 um, that's a very popular young adult series, but her editing skills are out of this world. And she's made me a better writer in the mm-hmm. 10 plus years we've worked together too. So it's, it's like a study and craft every time I get a letter from her. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool when I finally get something I can show her and we bounce it back and forth together. Um, so that's pretty standard. Now the shortest I have ever done a rough draft that I, I felt was pretty good and this has never replicated. It was two weeks and it was for a book called Silver Swift that actually became an audio book. It changed a lot. I did revise it a lot, but it just poured out and I cannot replicate it. It will never happen again. So I don't know why it worked <laughs> that time. I have no clue. <laughs> Were you in a hurry or did it just happen? No, like that? I was not even trying. I, I was not nobody wanted it either. Like that, that was something I actually wrote even before I had an agent or editor. Um, I just wrote it for fun. I was with my mom and we saw ornaments in the shape of mermaids. And I was like, I wonder what a mermaid has to do with Christmas. And Mm -hmm. just, you know, I, I wrote all night and all day for weeks and weeks. Like it was just, it was just a whirlwind kind of story. And I loved it, but no, it, it usually does not happen that way. And it's probably good because I need to live my life too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a so, much more productive way now. Yeah. So what would you say is like the typical amount of time from start to finish then for, for a book? Probably when taking into account how much I go back and forth with Mallory, it takes about a year. Okay. Uh-huh. For uh-huh. middle grade. I mean, there are other manuscripts like – um, there are stories that I have that are adult that I tinker with oh, and it's really to even know how long that will take because I've not seriously put in the time mm-hmm. to finish them yet. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so this is a question from my mom. She wants to know, what do you do in a slump, a reading slump or writing slump? Sorry. <laughs> oh my goodness. 
a writing slump. I actually call my mom and I usually tell her I want to quit. Um, <laughs> How many calls has your mom gotten like this? Oh my goodness. The the limit does not exist. <laughs> Girls. <laughs> oh, you know, those happen so often. And this is when they happen for me. Like I have pinpointed the problem. It's one, if I compare my career to somebody else's, um, like I forget who said it, but it's like, keep your eyes on your own paper is, yeah. is the rule, you know, the old elementary school rule. Like I remember a few weeks ago, I read this article in Publishers Weekly about this wonderful author who had like eight books out in a year. And, you know, my response should have been, that's awesome. Or <laughs> yay for people still reading middle grade. But my response was, oh my gosh, I am so slow. Like, oh, why can't mm-hmm. I be this prolific? Why does it take me so long? I am lazy. You know, all <laughs> on. Um, nothing healthy came from that. You just spiral downward at that point, or I do anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what, it just sucks my creativity dry when I do that. I think if I stop comparing myself to other people and think about what I really love, what I really want to say, I don't get into those writing slumps as much. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another reason I get into them is because I'm too much in this very interior place and not out in the world. I'm not taking walks with my dog. I'm not, um, this sounds kind of corny, I know, but I'm not in nature just a little Mm -hmm. bit. Just supposed to be interacting with the world just a Uh little. I say this as basically, you know, I'm as close to a hobbit as a person can be (laughs) and still be a person. (laughs) I love to be inside and cozy, but I just went to the Rockies, you know, with Justin. I was like, gosh, every time I come here, it's like it just clears my head. And I remember Mm -hmm. it really matters, you know. Um, So things like that, getting out in the world, refilling the well and reading stories that that make you want to be a better writer. Like I was just reading a little bit of um, a middle grade novel. My friend Adrienne Cuervas writes, speaking of horror, she writes for middle grade readers. Um, So this is like we call them. What is it? Sweet scaries, gentle scaries, kind of Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. but they are so good the way she does it. Um, so like the ghosts of Rancho Espanto, I think is one of them. Let me uh-huh. actually pick up that title. So I don't mess <laughs> it up. I should have had that written down. The ghosts of Rancho Espanto. Yes. And Mari and the curse of El Cocodrillo. Um, but I was reading that one, the ghosts of Rancho Espanto, mm-hmm. and I was getting lost in it and it made me want to write more like it was that kind of good book mm-hmm. and I thought oh sometimes you just need to like read as a reader and not a writer remember just what it feels like to get lost in a story again and mm-hmm. that makes me want to get back to typing too so so all of those things and I don't get as slumpy but so those are some things I do I read a book I love I go outside and take a deep breath um <laughs> I sometimes take a shower. <laughs> I call my mom. Those are those are my go-tos. So I, I have this question, but I, I'm trying to figure out how to frame it so it doesn't sound like a dumb question. But have you ever written a book like like a revenge book in the sense of like you read a book and you're like, absolutely not. Like I could do this better or, or anything like that. Or oh like you God. had an experience. You're like, Mm-mm, no, I'm going to write something, you know, because of like a revenge, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> I love that question. One, there are no dumb questions. Um, You know, in some ways, I feel like 
every book is a revenge book. And here mm-hmm. is why. Years ago, before I started writing, and this isn't exactly the way you mean, but it's still, I mm-hmm. think it still works as a revenge book. So many years ago, before I was a published writer, before I had an agent, I interned at a small publisher in Nashville, um, <laughs> which is, there are funny stories. I could tell you not all the podcasts <laughs> about working there, but um, one day the vice president of this publisher met with the peon interns such as myself. And <laughs> at this table, he asked us to go around in a circle and tell him what we really wanted to do. And he was like, don't hold back. Tell me mm-hmm. your career. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to do it. You know, and people were really shouting out their dreams here. Like somebody wanted to be a photographer for national geographic. And that just filled me with even more hope. Right. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I was not going to hold back. And I was like, I want to write fiction. Um, and he was like, Oh, he said, that's really hard. He <gasps> said, you know, he said, I have got so many unsolicited manuscripts in my office so many people think they can write books and nobody's good at it. So uh, rude. Wow. <laughs> good luck with that. Um, and that's what he said. And, you know, he didn't say that to the National Geographic photographer yeah. or the yeah, what the heck? like VP or, you know, anybody else at the table. So, of course, because I'm very mature, I went to my car and cried, you know, and called. I would have. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and they were both like, listen, what do writers do? Writers write. And so I drove to Brentwood near Nashville to a Panera and I ordered a green tea because that's all I could afford on mm-hmm. an salary. And I typed and I typed in this little booth in the corner. And every time I sell a book, it's a revenge book. And I hope he loves his job too. <laughs> I, I see you're taking the high road. I hope he hates his job. He's miserable. <laughs> What a horrible thing to say to yeah. someone shouting out their dreams and, you know, why open like, up the floor for that if you're just going to say that? Like, oh, it's so hard. I have so many unread men. Yeah, whatever. Especially for like a 22-year-old, you know? Yeah. This is not the time. He saw how young and full of life you were and he was bitter. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Only that has to be it. It was very sad, but it's okay. I rallied. Mm-hmm. You definitely rallied. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so one of the last questions we have is from Becky's dad. Um, he says he's interested in the writing process. Um, and there's a couple side questions here. So do you have the whole story in your brain before you start writing? Um, or, you know, how or does it evolve? Which you answered that a little mm-hmm. bit with as far as the endings. Um, are you ever surprised where a story takes you? And does the book ever end differently? Which you already said. Yes, of course it does. (laughs) Yes. I do not always know the whole story. It changes every time. I, I do try, especially as I go on in revisions, I have a map just with basic points of the story. And then I have fun filling it in. If I don't have basic key points, I kind of lose myself on tangents. Um, And then I let it surprise me. That's part of the fun for writing for me. It's the only way I know how to have a little bit of structure, just a little bit of a guardrail, and then, um, and then let it take me wherever it's going to take me. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. that can change every time if I want it to, but, but it does help a little bit. I guess I'm kind of in between a plotter and a pantser, Uh if you you call it that. So do you have to take like paper notes? Like, do you have a physical notebook and you like write 
write, you know, physical notes or is everything on your computer? I do take physical notes. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a little bit of both. I do quite a bit of typing, but something about slowing down, I do it less because I have carpal tunnel. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. From a very practical standpoint. I can't do it as much as I used to, but there is something about slowing down and actually handwriting something that helps. I was just talking to my editor about this actually, because she, sorry, you're going to hear some background noise. You're fine. <laughs> um, she helped me cut a lot from this last novel that I wrote. And I told her, I said, I'm just not going to look at what you cut and see if I miss it. And she was like, that's actually really smart. And mm-hmm. she talked about Lauren Groff and how she will handwrite a manuscript. Oh and gosh. then she puts it away and then she rewrites it. And she said, if I can't remember, then that's how I know I don't need to re put it oh. in there. And I was like, that would never work for me. Like, I can't remember what I did five minutes ago. That would never work for me. But I thought that was fascinating that she could handwrite the whole thing and then handwrite it again. But I get it. I do think some of the best work comes out when you do it. It slows down your mind, it connects your mind to your heart a little bit. So I get it. There are advantages to both. So Mm -hmm. I see. Are you allowed to tell us about um, your next book? Yeah, it's been announced. So I can definitely talk little bit about it. Um, it is, like I said, dual point of view about two girls. Their names are um, Grayson Patch and Roxy Darling. Um, they are two very unlikely friends who connect because they live in this town where a strange phenomenon called the witching wind blows through one month in the year and two people go missing in the witching wind connected to them and they go in search of them. Um, and realize there might be something sinister on um, the wind and behind their disappearance. So they're tracking them down together. Does it have a name yet? Uh, it's called The Witching Wind. Oh, The Witching. Okay. Yeah. It's, <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, you know, we went back and forth on the title and that's, that's mm-hmm. what we'll just name it after the wind. So, yep. And, um, when is that coming out? Right now, I just know it's next fall. My guess is okay. it's August. Uh-huh. So okay. I'm very excited. Yep. That is very exciting. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah. And Hummingbird will be out in paperback, I think, in May. So it's going to oh, be exciting. Yeah. Very cool. Well, we should probably wind down here. Um, I wanted to ask you, are you on any places, um, social media that you want to let our listeners know? Like, how can they follow you? Yes, I am. So I am on Instagram. Um you know, loosely, I try to post a lot. I know you're supposed to post a lot on socials, mm. <laughs> sporadic, but I try. I'm Natalie Lloyd Books on Instagram, and I am on the social media site formerly known as Twitter, um, <laughs> <laughs> Natalie Lloyd Author. And then on Facebook, I think it's the same. Let me make sure. I haven't. Are y'all on threads? Have you tried that yet? Not I am really. not. I'm, I'm too old not cool. For that at this point. <laughs> either. And I think there's probably a learning curve and I just don't know that I'm up for it, but I know I need to be. So <laughs> got to get the SEO up. Now. Yeah. But my, my website is natalieloyd.com and you can find it all on there as well. So that's awesome. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. Really uh, enjoyed yeah. talking to you. You're such oh, a delight. Out with y'all. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, Next week, like we said, we'll be discussing The Haunting of the Hill House by Shirley Jackson. And every book we mentioned will be in our show notes. So take a look there and we will see everybody next week. Bye. Bye. 
thank you so much for listening to the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at your bookstore besties. Please like, share, and subscribe so more people can listen. Have a beautifully bookish day.